With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Unsuckable. Yes, I'm back. I'm your host, Manuel Fate, And um, yeah, I've been on the road for a little bit. So let the... Let the clowns run the circus, I guess, as you say. No, they did a fantastic job. Um, and I'm really looking forward to welcoming them all onto the show. And I'm going to start with Adrian Sosa. Adrian, how's it going, buddy? It's been too long. It's going well. It's great to hear your voice again. I prefer let the uh, inmates run the prison myself. <laughs> but um, no, I uh, look, this has become a tradition while you were gone where I give the little Benfica update at the beginning. 17 matches now for Roger Schmidt at Benfica. 14-1, three draws. Two points against PSG. I mean, I'll take it. I'm happy with what's going on. That's as far as I will go with the Benfica talk because I am a little bit superstitious and I don't want to invite any bad juju from anyone. That's a crazy run. It is. It is. And it was, I don't know if you saw some of the images, but his whole family were amongst all the Benfica supporters for that PSG game. It's just, uh, it's good vibes at Benfica. It's been too long since we felt like this. Curious to see when someone's going to start trying to poach him. Oh, I'm sure immediately, knowing how things go at Benfica. We can't have nice things for too long, Manuel. They get taken away from us almost immediately. I'm sure Enzo Fernandez is the next one that's going to be gone by, who knows, maybe even January someone will come in and get him. Yeah. Uh, Roger Schmidt is an interesting one. We need to talk about him at some point. Um, but we have a lot to discuss today, so it won't be today. Uh, but on the show, as always, Filippo, how's it going, buddy? How's your Twitter account? Still burning down the burning down the Bluebird app? No, it's one of the best accounts on Twitter. Right, yes. It definitely is. Um, probably, well, I was going to go through better than a lot of the figures out there. But no, doing great here. MLS playoffs are coming up. The World Cup's coming up. And surprisingly, the excitement That's, for the World Cup is very low, though. Which, we're not covering the World Juniors, though. Yeah, some people even forgot there was a World Cup coming up. Uh, that's a little odd, right? It's probably yeah. one of the very first times in my, well, the first time in my lifetime that the, the hype and the interest is so low. It's crazy. But anyhow, back to you. Yeah. Uh, Josh, we're talking about the World Juniors here, right? Oh, yeah, clearly. That's, that's, that's where we're going <laughs> at. The World Canadian Juniors. would get that reference. <laughs> yeah. Not like, not like Hockey Canada is doing uh, any better than, than the host's upcoming World Cup. So, oh, I mean, ouch. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, you're no, actually the, true. It's actually correct. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to get into that because a whole diff- different uh, issue. But yeah, not a lot going on there either because uh, some ugly stories surfacing. But other than that, I'm I'm pretty good. I'd enjoy I've enjoyed listening to Adrian's little Benfica update. It's a uh, mm. it's been quite incredible. I mean, honestly, like I, I know in terms of the Portuguese league, Benfica's always been a, a one of the best teams, if not the best team for years. But to see what they're doing now, taking two points against PSG, playing very well, 
I mean, it's it's pretty good. I, I like hearing that upbeat Adrian for the first thirty seconds of this podcast. It's been fun, and I miss you, Emmanuel. Yeah, it's it's good to be back. Yeah, been traveling a lot. Um, been on the road in Germany, covered a bunch of games there uh, on location. Um, spent some time in Dortmund, Berlin, Munich. Where else did I go? Leipzig, Freiburg. Um, yeah, but it's good to be back for a while at least. Um, and. He's going to stay in Germany, Josh. Javi Alonso, um, appointed by Bayer Leverkusen after their um, initial loss to Porto. He then comes in, um, wins his first game 4-0 um, in com- very convincing fashion, right? And um, loses against Porto in the Champions League. But I think in this regard, we're going to have give him some time. But this has been... An extremely exciting appointment, one that definitely has caused some headlines beyond Germany. And what have you made of his early time at Bayer Leverkusen? I mean, I've always really liked Alonso as a player. He's just he was just very gifted, incredible footballing IQ. And I I don't know if it's just me, but I always find, I mean, I, you can maybe argue defenders, but sometimes I I just find that very knowledgeable, talented central midfielders make good managers. I mean, I think there's a lot of examples for that. You could probably make the argument across the board, but you see the way that he played the game and you thought there's no way that he's not going to manage. He was at Real Sociedad B, got his feet wet, and then this is a big opportunity for him. 40 years old, coming over to the Bundesliga, obviously very familiar there playing with Bayern, and now he gets to take over a Leverkusen side who, I mean, they finished third last year. They have a lot of talent on this team. It's been a shame to see how they started this season because they're a much, much better team than that. And you always hear of the kind of the manager kickback or however you want to, however you describe it. When a new manager, manager comes, bounce, manager bounce. The, as soon as a new manager comes in, you expect some type of response. And that's kind of what we saw. I mean, Schalke is going to be struggling for relegation all season long. Leverkusen mm-hmm. are with them right now at the basement, towards the basement of the table, but I don't think they're going to be there for very long. They ran over Schalke. I watched the Porto game as well. Um, I mean, Porto were, were clinical, uh, but once again, I mean, if you look at the even the stats and just the way that the game was going, in my opinion, Leverkusen could have won this game, especially if they would have put away that first penalty. It would completely compl- change the complexion. Another big save by Diogo Costa, and then it kind of went away. But I don't think Leverkusen played overly bad, and if they can replicate those that type of form and at least put away some of their chances, I think they're going to be fine at the weekend against Frankfurt. But I don't know, Manuel, what do you think about Xabi Alonso? I mean, I, I, I'm excited. I, I didn't think that it'd be an appointment that Leverkusen was going to make because I just didn't think they'd be in this position so early on in the season. Yeah, I really like this appointment a lot. Um, I, f- I think it's an out-of-box appointment, which is not something we have in the Bundesliga quite a lot, right? Um, the coaching appointments, they are always, always quite conservative and um, they're always centered and focused on on German-speaking coaches. And yes, Javier Alonso speaks German from his time at Bayern Munich, so I guess he ticks that box as well. But I do think it is... Uh, exciting because he does bring a little bit of a different mindset right um you mentioned central midfielders he he is a bit like pep guardiola in that regard isn't he and uh has played under pep guardiola in fact pep guardiola brought him to bayern munich um then you, you have some of the other people that he worked under um whether it's rafa benitez uh, carlo ancelotti the list is long, right? And so I think he took a little bit from everyone. He's very intelligent. I think that anyone who um, comes to Germany and learns the German language and makes an effort for it is is a little bit above and beyond um, some of the other other player personalities and that maybe also thinking ahead a little bit 
um, in terms of what he wants to do with his career. And I think he was very measured and careful about making this decision to come to Bayer Leverkusen. I think he had some other options throughout the years, right? But uh, instead of going straight for a top job, he he kind of worked at Real Sociedad in the second team, as you mentioned, Josh. And um, I think that he sort of made the right moves to get into the position that he's in. I think, too, Leverkusen, probably a little surprised that they had to make this move at this part of the season. Um, when you talk with people in Leverkusen and in and around the club, Gerardo Zione was very respected there. And um, I personally think he's Gerardo Zione is a good coach. I just sometimes just things just don't click. You know what I mean, Josh? Like, you know, sometimes the chemistry just wears off and then you have to make a change. But I do think I applaud them for um, going outside the box rather. You know, so, so many times teams just go and say, oh, yeah, there's, there's what did you call in German a firefighter, you know, someone who comes in and stabilizes the club. And uh, it seems like they went for a little bit of a long-term approach. Um, that's at least how I see it. How would you, Josh? No, I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, a, a lot of times, I mean, specifically Dortmund as well is a good example. When's the last yeah. manager, if they have had one that can't speak German? It's just, it, it's a, it's a, it's a trait, I guess, that a lot of Bundesliga clubs have. They, they like going the safe route. There's only so many German managers. Yes, there are, a lot of them are talented, but um, like, like you mentioned, Xabi Alonso does speak German, but it, it just like, it's almost like he wasn't at that level that you thought of a job with Leverkusen. Cause that's a, it's a big step. This is a, in my opinion, a club that should be competing for Champions League football every single season. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of talent there that kept, like Leverkusen kept a lot of their players. And yeah, I mean, Siwane, I, I thought he did a great job last season. It completely fell apart, but it wouldn't surprise me. And again, this is the safety picks when it comes to Bundesliga Club. It wouldn't surprise me if there's another sacking at some point this season and he, he'll he be on the radar. I think he's a good enough manager to continue to, to take a, a club over in Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. I just don't know exactly which one it could potentially be but I mean for example like Nico Kovac maybe he can't turn that ship it wouldn't surprise me if that's an appointment that could potentially be on the cards yeah yeah him and uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo is another one who I think is not going to wait long for a job Pellegrino Matarazzo is a very good coach and uh, circumstances were kind of against him um, at Stuttgart and have been for some time and I think the club uh, it's very you know it's a little bit off topic but when Matarazzo was released they actually, he, there was actually um, a quote of him in the press release, which is very seldom when coaches get fired, right? And, and it kind of shows how highly regarded they still, that high regard they had in him. And Sione was kind of similar. So this is this is one of those things where they're like, oh, we have to do this because um, we need we need some new blood and um, a different direction, but we really don't want to. We still highly regard um, this coach as an asset, and they will probably do well somewhere else. Um, so. Two really good coaches on the market in Germany, Josh. Pellegrino Matarazzo and Sione. Yeah, I'm curious to see who's going to take over Stuttgart because uh, Sione was linked there. There's a few names. I saw an article of, of a, a bunch yeah. of different names. Pretty high-profile names, I might add, to the Stuttgart, Stuttgart job, which I was a little surprised at. But, mm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's going to be... The Bundesliga just has a lot of managerial uh, merry-go-rounds. We've seen it before. I, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them could potentially be, even be in the Bundesliga come the end of the season. Yeah, uh, Stuttgart, difficult one. Uh, they have had a lot of people turn it down. Hoeneß, Tedesco, and one other name that just escapes me right now has turned it down. So we'll see what's going to happen there next. Um, guys, we should probably, you know, this is a good transition because German-speaking coaches and um, a name available 
all of a sudden. So I'm going to make this transition and I'm going to jump ahead to our third topic or fourth topic on the list. And we're going to go to the second and third after that. But this is where I want to bring in Filippo and Adrian um, about Galado. Uh, River Plate has announced that he's going to move on. And I personally think any Bundesliga team should be all over this guy um, because he's has been very successful, right, Filippo? And the problem is, of course, he doesn't speak German, but there will be a ton of people interested in this guy, right? Yeah, he was very good uh, for River Plate, right? I, In particular, I didn't follow River Plate closely as an Argentine would, but he did win two Libertadores with him. The last one was 2018. I remember that. And before that, I think it was 2014 or 2015. But it's just it's not just his management. He's developed some very good players, right? I think two that we can talk, and I even want to bring Adrian right now because one of them, Adrian knows very well and he can talk about him. One is Julian Alvarez that is in Man City. He played a big role in developing Julian Alvarez. The other one's Enzo Fernandez that's playing for Benfica right now. And Adrian, you might want to maybe share your thoughts on Enzo. He's been fantastic for Benfica so far. But, yeah, I mean, he's been incredible. He's the intelligence that he has on the ball is just something that I haven't seen at Benfica in a really long time. He's a player that no matter how surrounded he is, whether it's through a little back heel, uh, a pass with the outside of the boot, what have you, he always has a way to get out of any situation and his vision and his ability to execute a pass is just incredible. You can see that that's something that Gallardo really worked with him. And as you mentioned, Alvarez, who went to Manchester City, he fit in there right away. You know, of course, he's overshadowed by Erling Holland. The entire world is overshadowed by him at this moment. But Alvarez has been very impressive. And the reason for that is, is that Gallardo, if I'm not wrong, Filippo plays a similar sort of system. And Pep Guardiola even said, you know, like what Gallardo has done with River is incredible. He said, I think this was last year, every year, you know, he's never named as one of the top coaches in the world and he doesn't understand it. So Pep is a huge fan of his. And you can see that from the players that you mentioned, Filippo, that have come to Europe. They've they've been thriving so far. Yeah, I've I so I remember River Plate completely outplaying Palmeiras in a semifinal. They lost the semifinal, but they completely outplayed them when Palmeiras won their first Libertadores under Abel Ferreira. Uh, the one thing I think it's a little bit different. I remember Gallardo in that game in the Flamengo final. I think he plays with a front two. Uh, that's a little bit different from what we've seen from Pep, but I can see where some people could put similarities of him playing forward, attacking, possession, possession-based style of play. But I think he needs to go test himself in Europe. And we've seen some good Argentine coaches lately, like, you know, Simeone. But he's completely different from Simeone, to make that part clear. Look, if I am any big team in Europe, I would be all over Marcelo Gallardo right now. And he has said that that's his dream. He did also say that he wants to go watch the World Cup with his kids right now. And then he'll probably be taking over a team maybe in January. That's as much as I know. I'm definitely no expert on Gallardo, but I've watched a few games here and there of River Plate during the Libertadores. And they've been the most successful Argentine team the past few years. The only question I have for you, and it could be even Manuel or Josh, anyone can respond to that. He plays, and I understand the comparison with Pep Guardiola, because he plays for a team in South America that is dominant, right? River Plate is one of the powerhouses down in Comebol. Do you think that if he takes over maybe a weaker club in Europe, he would adjust? That is a question to make. Like, right, does he only have to go to dominant teams like a Man City team, a Bayern Munich, a Real Madrid, 
Mm. Or could he adjust maybe to Atletico? Well, Atletico Madrid's still somewhat of a powerhouse. But what if he went to a weaker? T- so I don't know yet. I've only seen him with River Plate. I know he coached in Uruguay before River Plate. I didn't really follow his time in Nacional in Uruguay. But that is something to ask ourselves. What is his actual style? We haven't seen it, right? Mm. Besides outside of River Plate. It seems to be a really weird, um, almost not misconception, but European clubs seem to be really hesitant to hire these guys that do really well in South America. And um, someone needs to give them a chance without a doubt. And uh, as you kind of allude to, Filippo, maybe not an Everton <laughs> or, you know, some team that's struggling. It, it could be also, you know, I could also name a German team in the lower reaches or um, a league or, or like a La Liga team, right? In the lower reaches. Someone needs to give him, someone further up needs to give him a chance to, to, to coach in Europe um, simply because if you think if you if you're successful in Argentina and you're successful at the highest level the Copa Libertadores um, do you have you have a proven track record and it's I find it kind of odd that European teams not always give these coaches a chance like at the moment and I'm curious what you think Filippo about this he's probably yeah. going to have a bigger chance going into MLS than yeah, I I agree with you. They're also working in Comebol. They have way less resources than yeah. any UEFA club. So they have more to work with in, in Europe. Uh, better, like more money for a scouting team, mm. better training facilities, better academies. Uh, this is not a bash at Comebol. It's just true, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I wonder why they wouldn't give him a chance. I think they would. I think or they him might. or any other. Like there's lots of other South American coaches like that. Yeah. I kind of wonder if, you know, if Yulan Lopetegui was able to sort of steady the ship a little bit at Sevilla and then eventually fall off, I wonder if Gallardo would have been very interesting to Sevilla because that feels like it would have been a nice natural step. It's not a top, top, top side, but it's still a good side that he can be competitive in multiple competitions. Felt like it would have been a pretty good fit, but he's strongly linked all the time, it feels like, with you know PSG simply because of his past in France. And then also, I think about three years ago, he was very strongly linked with Barcelona as well, simply because he was sort of seen as like a disciple of Guardiola. So it, I think that there will be a lot of teams that will be uh, interested, especially those that are struggling at the moment. Barcelona can throw the Drake money at him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and now people are starting to question with Barcelona's issues, yeah. you know, maybe Xavi isn't as good as they thought. Maybe they didn't have a very good read on him. So it's, Why did it's going to be interesting. Why did they think he was good? That's the, just because he was a great player? What do you think, Josh? Well, I mean, to be fair, Xavi's got them top of the table right now in La Liga. And on, I mean, yes, the Champions League could be another bit of a disaster, but, you know, he could go on and win the Europa League. But, um, but no, I, I liked, I wanted to raise a, a, a little bit of a, a point for you guys just to see what you guys were going. Because, like, I, Adrian, I completely agree. I think Sevilla would have been a, a perfect transition, but obviously, like, the, they had to make a move now. But what about, like, if Simeone decides to walk away from Atletico? And maybe there's conversations that start now. Because um, oh. Simeone has almost walked away a couple times in the past. Maybe he finally thinks that, not through performance, but this is his time. I've been here for 11 years. I want to go on. Like, what other type of manager could you guys see Atletico actually targeting? They went for outside the box with Simeone, and it paid off ten- tenfold. For me, this seems like the perfect type of maybe conversation to be had, just seeing which Simeone's future is, if Simeone decides that maybe it could lay elsewhere after this season. 
then they maybe line up that replacement. Other, other than that, I can't really think of what type of manager could possibly succeed Simeone. Um, and that's if, like I mentioned, I talked with Adrian about this in the last podcast, is if he decides he wants to walk away. But that's one to me, that's like one of the big clubs for me where I think that, that there could be something there. It just depends on the time frame. I think Simeone will go to his grave as an Atletico manager. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> they'll, they'll have a tombstone on the sideline with the, <laughs> he'll be managing the team still. <laughs> no, but I mean, if he did end up going to Atletico, I personally would feel really cool because I would, you know, I get to dig up an old tweet where I said that Gallardo should go to Atletico. But yeah, Josh brings up a good point because the team seems more suited to an attacking manager, at least that they could handle having a more attacking manager at Atletico now. So Gallardo going there would be very interesting if you could get, Schwung, I mean, that Juan Felix debacle is, that's deserving of an entire documentary, what's going on there. But if you could get him up and running, maybe get the striker scoring in Maratta, just more attack-minded and less sort of uh, impudent in the attack, for lack of a better word, <laughs> with Atletico. So that's one that I think would be, very interesting to see. Yeah, it would be a huge transition. Um, so I guess this is the, the prediction game. If he goes to Europe, then um, maybe maybe heading to to um, to Sevilla, Sevilla like club guys. What do you think? Or is this one of those guys that will go to MLS and will never hear of him again? No, I think he'll go. I think he'll go to Europe. I I want to say a, a club in La Liga. That's just the one that kind of screamed out to me. Right. But I I I don't think Simeone is going to leave any anytime soon. And that's no. what my gut's telling me. And I don't know if there's a big enough club that could like maybe like a Valencia if if Catuzo doesn't work out. But I don't know. I want I want to say Sevilla, but they just signed Sampoli, and I don't uh, really see that happening. So I also I don't know. What I want to add to, and I, this could age very poorly, by the way, but. I think there's a zero percent chance of him going to MLS right now. Zero, oh, I wouldn't because I think teams in South America can pay more to their coaches than than MLS. And for example, Palmeiras is about to lose Abel Ferreira. They pay he's way his salary is way higher than any MLS coach right now. They could afford to pay that. Flamengo too would be would love to have Marcelo Gallardo. So, and I I think his main goal eventually Gallardo is probably to coach the Argentinian national team and going to MLS won't do him any favors as of now. So I think the odds of him going to MLS right now in the future, it can happen 10 years from now, who the heck knows this time. I think it's near zero and MLS coaches don't make as much as coaches in Europe. And even in the top teams in South America, I don't know how much he was making for river plate, but I think he had a pretty decent salary there already. um, Even for MLS standards. So and That's Filippo, my thought there, on it. there's a there's a trend, isn't there, with like talented Argentine managers moving to the Brazilian league? Is there not like no feel, Portuguese? Port, well, I, I know there's that, but there are Argentine managers that come in. Uh, I don't they know how failed, right? The São Paulo signed like Crespo, Crespo, um, yes, and he failed. Um, Gareca is Argentine, if I'm not mistaken, and he failed at Palmeiras before taking over Peru. So São Paulo, too, right? São Paulo, São Paulo had some success in Brazil with like Santos and Atlanta. not very much, yeah. but yeah, São Paulo was there for a couple of years as well. I think what was very successful in Brazil was the Portuguese managers, right? Cause Adrian knows this. Jorge Jesus won the Libertadores with Flamengo. And then uh, like the past three Libertadores were won by Portuguese managers. Mm-hmm. The past three. Actually Portugal, Adrian, 
What do you think of that? That could be a good destination for him too. I mean, that would be a huge coup for any of the uh, Portuguese teams that go for him, which would likely just be either Porto, if Conceição ends up leaving at the end of the season. There are a lot of rumblings of teams in Italy wanting him, whether that's, you know, a Lazio or an, mostly Inter, actually, given his, his former, he formerly played there and Inzaghi mm. had a bit of a rough patch. Um, but yeah, that would be huge. And I mean, if I'm just playing the lazy, let's see who's not doing very well and look at Gaiardo's past kind of thing. If he was to go to France, because he played for Monaco and PSG previously, um, I mean, Lyon is struggling right now. They might be interested in kind of bringing him in Mm -hmm. since he has experience in that country. And maybe that would be a good fit. I don't know. Um, Because looking at La Liga, it doesn't really feel like a Villarreal, for example, would give up on Unai Emery just yet. Not just yet. You know, you got to wait until he gets to the knockout rounds of whatever European competition he's in. I think it's the Conference League now and see if he can cook something up. So, yeah, if he was to come to Portugal, I would be a little bit sad because I know that it would be for or for either Sporting or Porto and that could spell trouble for us. Mm. Um, that's a good transition to Juve. How about them? <laughs> Who wants to tackle Juve? Well, if they can afford to fire Allegri. <laughs> uh, you would think that they have the money to fire Allegri. Yeah, I mean, we all have money for different things. It's what about it's about what we want to spend it on, right? I mean, I have money for a new computer. I don't want to buy a new computer. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. You've been, I've been watching them more than I'm comfortable with at this point, trying to follow McKenney. But just Yikes. everyone looks horrible in that team, including McKenney. Everyone just looks horrible. Uh, no one looks good um, right now for Juventus. They made some decent sign, good signings in the offseason. It looked like they were going to be back in the title race. But at this point, you're just wondering, are they even going to be in the Champions League next season? Are they even going to be in the Europa League next season? I don't know. Yeah, it's, an, it's a strange. Juve is such a strange one. Um I really don't understand how it could go also wrong considering the financial resources that they have as well, right? This is not a poor club. It's just odd that they went from, oh, we've won the title nine times in a row to whatever this is. Does a- anyone want to tackle this other than Filippo? I yeah, mean- I'll, I'll let Adrian take it there. Just only thing I don't believe in is people are like blaming Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> which- no, well, he made that team visibly worse. I mean, they have stats to back But they're out. even worse without him. Yeah, but that... Hmm, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> I agree with you. You're right. He made it worse than they were before him. And then after he left, they were worse than with him. It's just well, crazy. you can make the point that it all started to go downhill once he was signed. True. You, it's a matter of like, is it is it because of him or is it a coincidence? I don't know. I think it's because of the decisions that led to him being signed rather than because of him, if that makes sense. Potentially, yes, but then you look at the the market, or just in 2022, what they've spent on Vlahovic, Pogba, Kostic, bringing in all of these players. You can't really say that, you know, the financial impact of Cristiano Ronaldo has hurt them that much. Maybe if they're going to say that Cristiano Ronaldo is what's preventing them from sacking Allegri or something, then okay, I guess so. That's It feels like a stretch, but maybe you could look at when Ronaldo was still there and how that altered their tactics. But this is ultimately just down to, I think, Agnelli not wanting to fire his friend, his friend Allegri, that he was so happy to bring back, blah, 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 blah. And now they're sort of left with egg on their face because it's going horribly. And it's like, oh, look, remember how bad he was towards the end of his first tenure here? Well, this has just been sort of a continuation of that. And to think that he was a guy who would come in and actually elevate them to another level when his 
tactics and ideas are from a past generation, it feels like, you know, you're giving like a bricklayer a Ferrari kind of thing, you know, like you, you can't look at Allegri and think this is the man that's going to elevate our club anymore when he was showing you when he gave you evidence at your own club that it wasn't working. And honestly, how many times have, and this just before we get to Josh here, now all of a sudden it looks like Wolves are looking to bring back Nuno Espirito Santo. And it's like, when will clubs learn that you just should stop looking to no, your past? That's not, that's not correct, is it? <laughs> yeah, Wolves yeah. are looking to potentially bring in Nuno Espirito Santo now. And it's just wow. like, when are these people going to learn to stop doing this with former managers, right? That's incredible. <laughs> Josh. No, I just want to piggyback a little bit off of Adrian and add a little, a little context too. Is like Allegri has a, obviously a style of the way he plays, similar to Simeone. It it can be ugly at times. Um, and Juventus, after winning all those titles in a row, decided it was time to go in a different direction. Not just because, not obviously because Allegri failed, he succeeded in mostly everything he did there. But it's because they wanted to decide to play a little bit different. So they they grabbed Sarri Ball. They brought him in. They didn't they didn't like how the tra- the team was transitioning. This team was built on Allegri. They had Allegri DNA in him. He needed to give Sarri a little bit more time maybe to try to capture what he was looking to do. They, they still had a successful season, sacked him, then brought in Pirlo. And they don't even stick by their decision really to do it. I mean, they went younger. They went with a club legend, someone who I think has the potential to be a pretty decent manager. And he didn't, he, he didn't have the greatest season ever. He still won a couple pieces of silverware, which is more than, you know, more than enough for Juventus for, I guess, if you look at a couple years ahead. He tried to make them play a little bit differently as well. And then again, because it this transition was just difficult to do, they didn't like it. They panicked. They didn't know where to go. And they went right back to Allegri, the very manager they said, we want to get away from because of the way you play. And now the start to the season has just been dreadful in every sense of the word. And I just, I agree. I mean, sometimes bringing a manager back can work, but I'd say more times than not, it doesn't. And with this situation, it just, it's a shame that, Juventus like I honestly think if they were willing to give Sarri or Pirlo a little bit more time they probably could have found a better looking Juventus at this day and age than just reverting back to what's comfortable what about Galado Adrian Josh um I mean it could it could work but it's not going to happen not until next summer because they made it like plainly clear you know you had Cherubini the CEO of the club previously saying You know, who's going to pay the next man when a kid asked him like Allegri out and he said, are you going to pay the next manager? Then they also had them saying that, you know, Agnelli's definitely staying on and or sorry, Agnelli saying that Allegri, those two names are too similar for my brain to to not mix up, that he's definitely going to be staying on at least until the end of the season because they can't afford to, you know, pay to get rid of him and that he's part of this four year project and blah, blah, blah. So all things point toward him actually staying. And it seems like, I don't know if Gallardo wants to have that long of a vacation with his kids after the World Cup until next summer. Maybe he does, um, but maybe he'd want to get into something in January. Uh, so I can't see Juve really going in that direction. They seem to be sort of, I want to say traditionalists in the sort of managers that they want to bring in, you know, Italian managers, blah, blah, blah. They don't really go outside of the box too often, it seems. Interesting. It's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. 
In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of tactical yanks, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Raycon earbuds have three sound profiles so you can have a personalized listening experience, as well as an awareness mode where you can hear the world around you. Whether you're doing the most intense exercise or just sitting around, Raycon earbuds are perfect for you. Go to buyraycon.com TBPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com TBPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com TBPN. Uh, Adrian, the world's most expensive crybaby, Kylian Mbappe. Um, the th plot thickens. So he wants out. They, I, I read today that they're even thinking about um, he's trying to see if he can terminate his contract because PSG failed to sign players that he wanted, including Robert Lewandowski. Um, I mean, he's the sporting director. Can he sell himself? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he can sign it off or something. It's crazy. I mean, the situation is just so nuts. Um, and the, the crazy thing is, too, PSG are still unbeaten this year. They're one of the few clubs in Europe completely still completely unbeaten. And yet we're talking about this uh, madhouse of a club. And the plot thickens... And Adrian, we're going to go to you with this because you did some work on it. The bots. The bots. Attack of the bots. Yes. It's <laughs> it's getting it's getting insane. Like you said, it's seemingly everything is going fairly well at PSG. Neymar and Messi are playing incredibly well. Maybe that's part of the reason why Mbappe is yeah. unhappy. That plus he doesn't get to play in his favorite position, which is sort of off of the left. He's been told that he has to play centrally. And like you mentioned, if he's the manager. That's, puts him on the field. Well, that's what he was told he would be. And that's partially why he's unhappy, man. So yeah, like you mentioned, Lewandowski not arriving. That's someone who he wanted to bring in because Mbappe, a lot of his success, especially when playing with France, is playing off of a striker, whether that's Benzema or Olivier Giroud. So that's why he wanted to bring in Lewandowski and I believe Bernardo Silva and Milan Skriniar were the other ones that he wanted mm -hmm. to have brought into the club um, those were his requests when he was signing his contract and it didn't happen so he's unhappy yeah. there um, and then on top of that the bots so there was an investigation done by a media company in France called Mediapart where they say that or they allege that PSG had hired a company called U Reputation which is actually a subsidiary of a very insidious sounding company called Digital Big Brother um, who is basically like an online marketing type of agency and that 
PSG asked UReputation to create these bot accounts to sort of attack any sort of detractors of PSG, whether that be journalists online or on Twitter, whether that be uh, publications in France that are saying not so nice things or critiquing PSG, whether that be staff members of the club or if the coach had said something that PSG didn't really like or former players like Adrian Rabiot was apparently a victim of one of these, um, which is pretty easy to believe. I know, I mean, Adrian Rabiot is no saint. I'm not trying to say that. I think we all know what's going on with him and his mother, but um, his reputation just took an absolute downturn. And then finally, uh, allegedly Adrian. in 2019, yes, Philippe? Okay. You might want to explain the whole thing of him with his mother so people don't think he has some like norman bates stuff going on oh no 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 it's just his mother is his agent and she is very let's say she's very outspoken and easily upset we'll say and uh not afraid to speak her mind whether it's uh, killing Mbappe's parents or what have you yeah she's a she's a soccer mom exactly (laughs) (laughs) and so apparently one of these bot attacks uh, that were sort of you know attacking killing Mbappe online was back in 2019 when he said, well, not that he wanted to leave the club, but he sort of opened the door to wanting to go to another club, whether that be Real Madrid, likely Real Madrid, because it's always Real Madrid. And so what you were saying about terminating his contract, a lawyer went on the you know the famous French program RMC Sport, and she is a sports lawyer and an agent. And she spoke about how if it is proven that PSG did indeed hire these bots or this company to produce these bots to say all these things about Kylian Mbappe, that would actually be in breach of his contract and that he would actually be able to terminate his contract. Now, the thing that I don't really understand is that was his previous contract. So would it still stand today, et cetera, et cetera. It's a lot of sort of labor laws and things to get into that are way above my personal pay grade. But it's it's just a mess again. It's always a mess at PSG, isn't it, Filippo? Yeah, it sounds like a delightful club to work for, doesn't it? At least we now know. Remember when the Emir of Qatar thanked Vladimir Putin with helping with the World Cup? Yeah. And now we know what it was. It was the bots. <laughs> it was just the bots. It's so crazy uh, how PSG can, like, how can you want to win the champ? doesn't matter how many talented players you have. In that environment, you yeah. can't, you're not going to win it. It's just not going to happen, right? I think them getting rid of Mbappe might honestly help their odds of having a chance of winning the Champions League, to be quite honest. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to talk here. And but I think Manu already pretty much said it. He's the most expensive crybaby in the yeah. world currently, maybe in history, right? Maybe. I wonder too, and this is like maybe my final take on this, and I'm curious what you think. Do you guys think the emergence of Erling Haaland has made him even worse in this regard? Probably, right? He wants to be the superstar once Messi's gone. And yeah. and now he's less of a superstar than Messi, than Neymar. And then Holland's coming up at his age, yeah. doing amazing things again. I don't know, man. It looks like Mbappe. Um, it's unfortunate because back in 2018, he was one of my favorite players. I was very excited with him emerging from Monaco, mm. um, winning the World Cup at such a young age and playing a key role. And then you just like slowly saw year over year him just completely lose it. Not the talent. He's no one questions his talent. He's still an amazing player that would start yeah. for any team in the world, but just how a toxic teammate he become he had become over the past few seasons. And now it looks like it's peak toxic Mbappe that we're seeing right now. It's just 
Yeah, because based problem. on talent, there is no doubt that he is maybe the best player in the world. I think he's not, but he's up there. He's on. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. that's it's debatable if whether he's the best or not. But based on talent, he's definitely in like that top three. Yeah, it's not right? great. It's not a crazy take. No, and so, yeah, yeah it's, it's just it's, weird. You 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 wonder sometimes, right? Like, there was a time when people compare him to Pelé. Yeah, and, when he won the World Cup, right? And so. I mean, Pelé was a bit of a diva. You wonder what it would have been like if Twitter had been around back then. <laughs> yeah, but what's crazy to me is uh, we've always talked about Neymar's immaturity, rightfully yeah. so, right? And then now we're seeing it with Mbappe, and it looks like it's Neymar on steroids. It's so much worse. Oh, yeah, it's I way mean, worse. 100%. I agree with you. Uh, Neymar's issue have been like the whole thing with his sister. Every time he gets injured for her birthday party, it's been like his friends partying. But overall, Neymar, when it comes to PSG right there, he's been, been somewhat, he, he's been far more professional with when he wanted to leave and how he conducted it. And then he came back and he's playing. Mbappe just kind of like demands as if he's the owner of the club. And I guess he thinks he is the owner of the club to a certain extent. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's That's an, enough of Mbappe. It's interesting. Well, I'm pretty sure we'll be talking lots about Mbappe. In the uh, Manuel, weeks before month. we move on, because I know you're probably going to go to Major League Soccer. Yeah. There's one thing I found out this week that I need to I need to put it out on the pub. Everyone needs to know this. I didn't know this, that Harry Maguire's name, his first name is not Harry Maguire. His yeah, that's is, a nickname. His name is Jacob. Yeah. I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. I didn't yeah. know his name was Jacob. And I think most fans don't know that. And And... He kind of looks like a Jacob. <laughs> Did you know that, Adrian? But he also very much looks like a Harry. You got to say. Oh, he's English, right? So I mean, yeah. Harry is like... Harry is not a real name. Well, Harry, Harry Potter. Yeah, Harriet. Well, yeah, Harry Potter. I don't, I don't know. It's just, I think a he, very, it's just like when you see an English guy, you just think of Harry, right? Harry Potter, you think of Harry Maguire, Harry Kane. It's just uh, Harry, right? Um, so, so he's one of those guys... Like, has a he has a, obviously has a double name right Jacob Harry Maguire. Um, it's Jacob Harry Maguire. Yeah. Yeah. I have a double name. My full name is Carl Manuel Veth. I'm just going by Manuel. I is that a is, that's more of European, isn't it? Yeah, and depends which part of Europe too. Like in Bavaria, where I was born and raised, it's quite normal. I don't know whether they do that in Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it sounds like it's something from Europe. Like in the U.S., it's mostly the last name. That Louis van Hal's first name isn't Louis. Really? No. That's, so I, I guess it, it is more of like something in Europe. In Brazil, it's I mean, odd it, because it's, it's it's the name he goes by, right? But his full name is like hold on, I have it somewhere. His full name is Aloysius Paulus Maria van Hal, and then he becomes Louis van Gaal. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. In Brazil, it's usually just by the first name, and you probably notice that with the players, right? It's always the first yeah. name. It's like Neymar, Ronaldo. It's always because, like Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, his first name is Cristiano, but he calls himself Ronaldo. Uh, I guess it's just different in different. So Cristiano's first name isn't uh, Cristiano either. No, I no, think it on. is. I think it's it... Cristiano Ronaldo dos Santos Severo. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. I was thinking of someone else. Um, Dos Santos Aveiro. Yes. Sorry. Because those Portuguese names are long. Like Luis Figo yeah. is Luis Felipe Medera, Cairo Figo. Like they're, they're long. I'm it's, sure the Brazilian ones are the same. Topic, but yeah, they're very long. Um, uh, they're very long in Brazil. You have like five names usually. Isn't, like, Portugal and Spain, 
is similar to Bavaria, where sometimes your first name isn't the name you use. Uh, I yeah, I would assume so. And then there's the whole, like, you know, you put the mother's name yeah. before the father's name, blah, 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 blah. I always think it's a Catholic thing. So Josh is... I, even, I'm not Catholic, by the way, but it is. like Josh Catholic mentioned Hoke, Oscar, and Kaka. So Oscar is his first name, isn't it? Oscar yeah. is his first name. Uh, Hoke is, Hoke's name is just... um. Very Nickname. complicated to say, and um, then you just get just call him Hulk. also because he freaking looks like the Hulk. Oh, you're right, Oscar dos Santos and Boba Junior. Yeah, Kaka is just Ricardo, and then from the Rica, the Ka of Ricardo, it just became Kaka. Um, right, that's a nickname. But usually Brazilian players, it's either a nickname or the first name. Like Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho is just Ronaldo, right? Um, and then usually just. That's how we call them there. It's a little bit different. In the U.S., we call usually by the last name, right? If you go like NBA players, it's like Kobe Bryant, which is Kobe Bryant. LeBron James has just a James on his jersey. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that was completely off topic. Back to This you, is man. the Anthropology Podcast brought to you by the History Network. <laughs> should start a podcast where we just talk about the different cultures um, everywhere all over the world because we've been around a few places here and there yeah that's, that's why i thought it was so funny is because i grew up obviously in north america and like you see hockey every name on the back of the jersey was your last name and then you get into soccer I'd be and careful I just, about that josh it's not not, not, not most the case 99 i'd say like 95 percent at least like right. i think i think I, sh I shouldn't say that but i think a majority is that at least when i was growing up until i got into uh to soccer and i just saw the basically the name on the back of the jersey assumed it would be the same as the north american culture and then finding out i, I put hulk there because i thought it was funny i thought i literally thought his name was hulk when i was younger and then i on google saw his name like oh my and then i saw, saw the same about kaka and and yeah so i just i thought it was funny it was massive and i don't know how many younger uh, maybe or just people getting into the sport might not think that coming from north american culture but i definitely was a little i was like wow okay the brazilians <laughs> do it differently um, yeah, it's always first name, dude. Always like before we move on on this, there is a really good book by um, I have it in front of me, Alex Bellos. It's called "Football: The Brazilian Way of Life," where he explains the history on origins of Brazilian nicknames and football jerseys. I, I might I, maybe as I read it, something might click, but I'm yeah. actually quite interested. By the way, everyone doesn't know Pele's name is not Pele. Okay, everyone should yeah, know that. It, it's Edson. It, it's like there's a full thing in there on how like Brazilian football names come about. It's really interesting. Uh, yeah, it's crazy because a lot of the main guys from Brazil, their their nicknames that, that people don't like Zico's name is also not Zico. That's not his yeah, name. Exactly. <laughs> They're all nicknames. But anyways, this book is called Football, The Brazilian Way of Life by Alex Bellos, if you're interested. And David Goldblatt, I have the, I'm looking at my bookshelf here. He wrote an excellent book on Brazilian football as well. The Football Nation, ahead of the 2014 World Cup, where he also has something on it. So that's Alex Bellos, Football, The Brazilian Way of Life and Football Nation by David Goldblatt. Two excellent books um, if you're interested in crazy Brazilian nicknames. And more. And there's some very weird ones, trust me. And good Brazilian history too. Um, like Goldblatt's book is fantastic when it comes to Brazilian history in general. Um, highly recommend it. I always highly recommend his ball is round the the full history of uh, football. Now is Goldblatt his real name or is that a name? That David Goldblatt, that's his real name. Yes, I've met David, but he also okay. has a second and third name. Um, 
<laughs> that I don't know of, but he's a really, really. We nice don't guy. know what's and real an excellent anymore. writer. Even That's even it. Mark Goldbridge, his name's not Mark Goldbridge. Uh, yes, I know. Everything, Anyways. nothing's real. We don't know what's no. real anymore. We we all go by whatever is given to us, and we choose and whatever. Um, but this is completely off topic. I, maybe we should do a book recommendation podcast at some point on one about nicknames. Um, MLS playoffs, guys. This is when. Okay, so I'm a sucker for playoffs. I admit it. I really love it. Uh, I think it's super exciting. I know there's been some people on Twitter recently who said, oh, we should bring back two legs. It's like, no, chaos. I want the best team in the league to be able to go out in the first round. I'm cruel. Um, that's just how I am. And I am hugely excited for this. And Filippo, Orlando City are going to win it all, right? First, I'm all with you. I prefer one-leg playoff matches. It's just complete chaos. You never know what's going to happen. So and, good. And you create more underdog stories. Like, we sort of saw it with RSL last season, right? To yeah. a certain, honestly, even New York City FC, to a certain extent. But right? they were good. They were like, they good. They were really good. And they could, still, they're kind still, of like my favorite to win it again. I still think they would have lost to Philly if Philly didn't have their entire team with COVID before that game. Right, yeah. I still think that would have happened. Uh, but yeah, Orlando City is an interesting team here because out of the teams in the playoffs, from what I've seen this season, we are definitely one of the weakest ones, in my opinion. But right? here's why I think there's a chance. I'm not, I agree with you, but here's why I think there's a chance. They won the Open Cup, which is a playoff. Yes, it seems like this Orlando team just kind of, they, they find a way to win like these, these squeeze out these, even the last game that we qualified beating Columbus yeah. right at home. We were down 1-0. We were playing like crap. We we had just got destroyed by Inter-Miami. And then Orlando comes back and gets the win against Columbus. And they needed a win, right? The draw would have qualified mm -hmm. the crew. And we made it through. So we're here. And like you said, we're going to play Montreal in the first game. And Montreal has actually been fantastic this season. Yeah. And one player I've been following there is Jordi Mihailovic. And he's been amazing for them, again, for the second season in a row. And he's going to go to Netherlands to play for AZ Alkmaar. Good club. Yeah. Good and choice. It, this Orlando City-Montreal game just screams upset. It's like PKs and Orlando advances on PKs somehow. It just screams that. That's what it seems like it's going to happen. Um, but mm. I, I, I do want to put, and this is on Sunday, to me the most intriguing team, and if they can manage to not allow RSL to upset them in the first game, I have Austin winning it. Interesting. I, I think Austin. As long as they can, and they will have home field advantage for most games, unless yeah. they face, unless they face um, LAFC, and who else finished ahead of them? I guess Montreal, Did Montreal Philadelphia? Philly, right? Oh no, you're, Montreal and Philly. Yes. What? Sorry. Yeah. You. So Philadelphia at sixty-seven. Uh, yeah. So they have Montreal. They. So the, the final home. The teams that would have the home advantage in the final, um, who they can face. So LAFC, they LAFC would have the home advantage over them in the in the semifinal if it gets there, right? Um, and in the Eastern Conference, both Montreal and Philadelphia finish with more points. Yeah, LAFC is gonna probably flop if they have to play the Galaxy, which is the next game. If the Galaxy beat Nashville, and Nashville is also a team that's annoying to face. I think it felt they have the best player in the league. Just shout out to Hani Mukhtar, my boy. From that, I, I still think Nashville is going to get knocked out there, dude. And, yeah. and then 
he, and you then see, the they're a one-player team, right? Nashville's a one-player team. Yeah, I mean, Walker Zimmerman has been horrible this season. Um, and Muhta Muhta, if he plays well at the uh, MLS Cup playoffs, could go to the World Cup for Germany. That actually is surprising to me. I'll be very sure. But you know Germany more than myself, so I'll just take his, your word for his it. His production has been insanely high in this league for a player who's not a striker. Um, would he go ahead of like Florian Wurze? No, we have to remember there's three extra spots. Okay, so who would he? So you're not replacing anyone in the roster. You're no, just adding you just him. add him because you can. Okay, I reckon. Uh, I'm, I'm saying he is a long shot to be one of those three extra guys. I don't follow Germany enough to even counter that, so I'll just take your word for it. But LA yeah. Galaxy, I think they can knock out LAFC in El Tráfico if they can beat Nashville. I think oh, it can yeah. happen. And they, yeah, that that's an interesting team as well. Um, Adrian Montreal, Wilfred Nancy is my. I got to vote this year on the um, MVPs and coaches and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was one of the selected media, so hey. I'm going to reveal in my ballot right now. I put Wilfred Nancy as my coach of the season, and I think that's understandable because Montreal has been such an interesting story. I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before how they sort of went away yeah. from this sort of. Let's sign a big DP from Italy. Let's sign someone from Bologna because of the Saputo connection, basically. And they've actually built a genuine team and brought in a manager who, I mean, was there already. He's been around the club for a long time. And so he knows the club points, really well. 31 points ahead of TFC, Josh. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> insane. I mean, they were just, what were they, like one point behind Philadelphia? Or two points behind Philadelphia, yeah. sorry. It was just an outstanding season. The best that I've ever seen from Montreal. So like Philip was saying, it would feel very Montreal to have this incredible season and then lose to a team like Orlando, who looked absolutely horrible against Inter-Miami on one of the last few matches, losing 4-0 there. Um, but... Like I said in the in the little chat here, guys, American teams have only won two, one in a shootout of twelve playoff matches in Canada. So that's a pretty you know odds against Orlando at the moment. Um, and with Stad Saputo in the playoffs, I find that it gets the support gets pretty wild, and it becomes this fortress Saputo basically. So I would be uh, I'd be interested to see if Orlando can stand up to that. I think that I have a pretty good feeling about Montreal. I think that they're going to make it through. And well, if they, they reach the final, they would host it. Yes, yes. Now hey. that's even better. So they're so they're the winners. They're your MLS Cup winners. There you go. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, maybe I can make a trip to Canada. Would Canada let me in? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Why not? Josh says no, but uh, why not? Yeah, I don't know. They 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 hate me on Twitter, but I think most of Canada loves me. Loves me very much. Mm. <laughs> no, but but back to the, the playoffs here. I I still I still have Austin, and I've been to Q two Stadium a few times, and that's a wonderful atmosphere. I hope they make a deep run, and I hope someone upsets LAFC. That's one thing I'm wishing for as well. And I do want to see Breck Shea get some minutes for Inter Miami, but that's just something personal. I don't think he'll play at all. So I, I put together like a list of players to watch for Transfermarkt, um, one from each team. And you know who I thought has been a really good season and should probably like get national team considerations? Lewis Morgan, speaking of Inter Miami. He's been really good this year for New York Red Bulls. Wait, was that, was that a question to me? No, it was just... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was silenced because I, I didn't know if you were talking... Um... He's Scottish, right? Where is he from? Scotland? 
Lewis Morgan is Scottish. I thought he's been really good this year. I mean, I, the I Scottish national team could probably yeah. make it. He should. He's good. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's just a shout out to something I did this week. I put one player for him from every team. Um, Talis Magno was mine for New York City. Filippo. Mm-hmm. He's he a, really good this year. He's a great talent. The thing with Talis Magno is, uh, you probably know this, Manuel. He was linked to Dortmund when he was rising at Vasco. Yeah. But he had a very bad injury, and Vasco got relegated. They had yeah. financial problems, and I thought the move to Major League Soccer was actually good for his career. And he's probably going to go to Europe to a good league at some point. The talent is there for that player. A hundred percent. Really, really been impressed by him this year. Um, yeah, there's been a few players that I've been really impressed. Muhta is another one, right? Um, Nashville, of course. And then the Cincinnati, Brennan Vasquez, is I think one, and Bremer, Brenner and Brennan Vasquez have been good. Yeah, Brenner finally, right? <sighs> Took him long enough, right? Didn't feel like being in Major League Soccer, but yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, MLS Cup playoffs start tomorrow, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, with New York Red Bulls against Cincinnati. Then it's Galaxy against Nashville at 12 p.m. Pacific, uh, 3 p.m. Um, Eastern, and then it continues with 12 p.m. Pacific on Sunday with Austin against RSL and uh, 8 p.m. Pacific Montreal against Orlando City. That's a late kickoff uh, for Eastern. Uh, good for us, not so good for Eastern. Are you going, Filippo? No, it's in so, Montreal. Yeah, it's in Montreal. Uh, yeah, sorry, Adrian, are you yeah. going? <laughs> Uh, it's touch and go for me because that's the night where I work on my weekend recap video. So 8 p.m. Ugh, it's I know I really want to go. We're going to see. I'm going to see. I'm going to see how the how the next couple of days play out. Because I feel like I was saying playoff time for Montreal. It's always very, very fun. Very fun. Yeah, so. I'm going to the final this year. So there is a chance it's in Montreal. Uh, NYCFC against Inter Miami on Monday. 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and then Dallas against Minnesota grounded up the first round. Also on Monday, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 Eastern. Wow, that's late. Um, so there it is, MLS playoffs. Little preview. I'm going to keep an eye on that, of course, as well. But this is it, guys. Any final thoughts on anything before we wrap this up? Nothing else to add. Happy all of us are back. And hey, I think one thing we can tell everyone is Drop a review if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. If you made it, if you listen to us talk for 55 minutes, you might as well. And keep yeah. Mbappe in your thoughts. Or Every don't. day. Don't. Poor guy. No. Prayer, candles at the church, whatever it takes, man. <laughs> All right, guys. That's it. We'll be back next week with a new show. Until then, cheers and bye bye. Bye.